afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I am calling in your ancestors. I'm calling in all that bring that which is good and true and beautiful in your ancestral line to join us here today. I call in my own. I call in the ancestors of all of those who will listen to this show at whatever time and place to join us here to hold us well. We are the future they dreamed of. And we're calling them in that we might stand on their shoulders and learn from those who have gone before us and do what we are setting out to do here in our lives in a good way. We call out to these ancestors that we might be inspired to go beyond, to reach out with our hearts into realms humanity has not yet touched, and to open to possibilities that have not yet been lived. So we call out to these ancestors to stand around us here today and hold us in a good way. We reach down from our feet down from our tailbones, down deep into the earth, all the way through the layers of the earth into the very heart of this planet. And we call out to the most ancient ancestor of us all. We call out to the earth. And we thank her for the wonder of her dreaming, the amazing dream that eventually brought life to this planet, and that dream of life brought our ancestors, and our ancestors' dreams brought us. And we give thanks for being here today on this planet together to share this miracle of life. Let us not be distracted by that which we see around us. Let's see through it to the beauty, to the miracle, and to know that being alive is a great gift. And we call out to the spirit of the earth to support us in a way that we can live that today. We open our hearts and the tops of our heads and we reach up to the highest power of the universe, to the energy of the sky, to this great father energy, and we call that energy down calling in the energy of protection into our circle here today, calling in the energy of guidance, the energy of inspiration, the energy of blessing, the energy of the generosity of the universe and the benevolence of this place that we call home. We call these energies in to the center. We call them in around us. We ask them to hold us well, to merge with the earth, deep in our bellies and deep in the heart of our circle, that we might be held well in these proceedings here today. And finally, we call out to the energy of the heart, that amazing place within each one of us that moves within all the realms and unites us all. May each one of us open our hearts today to our own passion and to our own capacity for clarity and bring these two things together in our heart that we might know ever more clearly and deeply and truly here today why we have come into this life at this time in this body on this planet. What are we here to do? And let's go out and do it. So welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me here today. Today our topic is addiction. Why in the world should you bother to spend an hour listening to a show on addiction? Well, one reason is because I bet every single one of you knows someone who struggles with this. Perhaps in listening to a shamanic perspective on addiction today, you can gain compassion, creativity, ideas for how to be with this person in a different way. We aren't even necessarily saying today that addiction is a bad thing. We're not going to talk really about whether it's good or bad or whether we should or shouldn't. You may have an addiction that's your favorite right now. It's maybe like a little pet that you enjoy indulging. It doesn't really matter. That's not the point, good or bad. The point is 
what we want to understand about addiction today is for those of you who want to change it, it isn't something a smart person can figure out. That's not where addiction operates in our life. It's not logical. That's the very point of it. It defies logic. And so we're going to look at addiction from a shamanic perspective. And that will allow us then to be with ourselves and our own addictions in a different way and to be with others, to have compassion and to have some generosity towards this challenging issue that is pervasive in our society today. So what I'd like you also to consider the possibility for those of you that have no addictions you can name, that we are perhaps addicted to being the way that we are. And that perhaps the person that we are is less than who we came here to be. So maybe we're just addicted to the comfort and the familiarity of who we are. And so today we're going to explore all the possibilities of addiction, ways to see it from a shamanic perspective, and ways to move with it and use it in our lives to discover the true creative beings that we came here to be. So that's why you might want to listen with me here today. The show is live. You're welcome to call in um, or to email at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, as I was checking in with my Helping Spirits today about the show, um, a Helping Spirit who's always telling me to jump in more fully, it was interest, it's always interesting to me when she tells me to slow down. She says, it's a thick show. I already had the show prepared. And she said, people are tender about their addictions because it's a place of pain. And I think because we do addictions over and over and over and over again, we are very much disconnected from the pain there can be the pain of a lost love when we had to walk away from someone who was an addict in our life or someone walked away from us because we were the addict. There is the personal, the pain of the personal failure of struggling to change an addiction and failing again and again. And then there's the pain that is at the origin of where the addiction began. And this is what I hope to talk about today. But before we go there, I'd like to dedicate today's show to the pain at the root and around and through addiction in our lives. I'd like to take all of the time and the energy and the resources that go into our many, many, many multifaceted addictions in this culture. All the paper Starbucks cups, all little baggies that litter our beautiful parks, all the lives that are being thrown away to addiction, all the brownies that we're eating that are there at the checkout stand, all of the time and the energy and the money, the lives, the resources that go into addictions and to embrace and honor that pain and pick it up and drop it in a great big heap on a great big fire. And let this be the fire of our love and our compassion and our ability to transform. So we offer up this pain and honor it in the fire of transformation because we're all still breathing. If you're listening, you're breathing. If you're breathing, you can still change. And so that's what we're talking about today is the possibility of approaching these change-defying practices in our life from a shamanic perspective. So the shamanic point of view, just a little reminder here, of course, the shamanic point of view on healing is very different from an allopathic point of view, which is the AMA, or a naturopathic point of view, a lot of, a lot of different even alternative healing points of view. And we consider all these points of views completely valid points of view that we're not saying one is right or wrong. They're just different. So what we need to remember about a shamanic point of view is that 
the fact that a certain set of symptoms present itself, a shamanic practitioner is not going to assume that that means they all have the same problem. So in an allopathic system, if you show up with the same symptoms, they're assuming that um, if you have the same set of symptoms, you all have the same problem. We don't make that assumption in shamanism. And so in other words, we're going to talk today, if the symptom set we're looking at is addiction of any kind, we're going to talk about all the different ways you might approach that um, from shamanism, from a shamanic point of view. And so with that said, um, one of the things, just a basic premise of today is a shamanic perspective is that if you're working on your addiction diligently in therapy, it's very possible that you're simply creating a bigger relationship with it. And so what we're going to be looking at is how to kind of not look at the addiction itself necessarily, but to explore the source or some other reason for it, that it's a symptom. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of some other problem. And that's actually largely how shamanism treats addiction. Um, so the shamanic perspective then is if we can transform the source of the problem, then you're relieved of the need for the addiction. And you then rob the energy of, um, from the addiction so that it can't propagate itself. Now, one of the things to keep in mind with all of this is once you've done that, you're still faced with the addiction as a pattern that has momentum in your life. And everything that you do, that you commit your free will to, has momentum in your life. And it all wants to keep going. It all wants to keep living. Because that's the nature of what we as the dreamers create. As we create life, life wants to keep living. Even if it's really sideways. So keep in mind that an addiction, once we've removed the source of the addiction, uh, we still have to deal with the momentum of that addiction in our life. So it may mean that we need to detox. It may mean we need to make some very conscious choices for a period of time. But the point is those efforts will create change in your addiction because it no longer has a source um, because we've resolved the source shamanically. So the simplest perspective um, or the most basic perspective about addiction and shamanism is a lot of addictions are often a direct response to coping with living in a state of soul loss. Why is this? When we lose a fragment of ourself, which we've discussed in other shows, so when we lose a fragment of ourself, it creates an energetic hole within us. And that hole um, then creates two things for us as we live here with that hole. We need to do some energy behavior to protect that hole. And then most of us try to do some energy behavior that will fill that hole. And this is largely where many of our addictions come from. Whether these addictions are nasty substance abuse problems that create a bunch of toxicity in our body and our lives, or just socially acceptable ones like, you know, your wine at the end of the day, or your coffee during the day, or sugar, or sex, the working out, whatever it is, that um, the shamanic perspective can be that your soul loss creates a situation that you need to replace the energy that's been lost, and we get involved in these addictive behaviors. So, for example, 
You may lose the part of yourself that has a deep love for the con- direct connection with spirit, which is a very sweet energy. It's um, ecstatic and sweet, gentle and powerful at the same time. And so if you've lost that part of yourself, you may become very addicted to sugar as a way to replace that sweetness. It's the closest thing you can come to that sweetness of spirit that you've lost. And so soul loss can be at the root of very severe addictions, socially acceptable addictions. The only way you would find out if soul loss is at the root of your addictions is to go to see a shaman and have a soul retrieval and see what are you able to change once the soul part comes back. Now, the thing to understand about that, if that's what you're really looking for, you must not only receive the soul part back, but you must integrate it. It's not enough to just put the energy back in the hole because then it's just a piece kind of wobbling around there in a hole, that the integration is a way to solder that piece back into the hole so that you are coherent and have integrity again in your energy body. And that's the place then, at that stage, the soul part comes back, thanks to the shaman, integration happens, thanks to you and your good work. Then you're at a place where the addiction may still have momentum in your life, but it's got no reason for existence because you've removed it by receiving the soul part back and integrating it back into your life. So the addiction now has no reason. And I've actually had this experience myself where there I am with that 4 o'clock in the afternoon chocolate chip cookie, looking at it, asking myself, why am I eating this? I don't even want it. And two weeks prior, I couldn't imagine not wanting a chocolate chip cookie at 4 p.m. in the afternoon. But once that part was integrated and whatever that need was that was being filled was gone, there was no reason to eat that chocolate chip cookie. So now the addiction is a mom- has momentum in my life, but it's empty. That's the point at which, through behavioral changes, cleansings, you can just release that old habit. And so that's what we're looking at today, is ways to use shamanism to empty your addiction so they're just old habits that you can choose to throw away effectively. So thank you for being with me here today, everyone, as we go into this break, and I hope you'll all join me as we return. We are live today, so feel free to call in or send an email. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Why Shamanism Now, and today we are talking about shamanic perspectives on the sources of addiction. And um, so one that we just spoke about is often soul loss can be at the root of our addictions. And so the addictive behavior is trying to replace the soul that is missing, trying to replace that energy again and again and again. And soul retrieval then is necessary to be able to fix that problem. Another perspective um, with addiction is sometimes um, possession, and I'll talk about possession here from Betsy Bergstrom's perspective, can be at the root of addiction. And similarly, it's kind of a similar kind of situation, sometimes a need for ancestral healing can be at the root of addiction. And so we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But before we go there, I just want to make a note here on recovery. That shamanism looks at patterns and processes. And so I would say from a shamanic perspective, the recovery process, which is something many people find an essential step in their healing, is considered exactly that, that recovery is a process, and that is a, a step 
in a larger process of transforming one's addiction into the path towards your soul's destiny. And I hope to get there today on this show. But the point is, we're not going to talk about recovery one way or the other. It is a beautiful process. It works. It's important um, for a lot of addictions to do it. It's a step in a bigger process from a shamanic perspective. And it's a good step. So if you're in the need, if you're in that step, take it. Work the whole process because you need the whole thing. All right. Moving on here, though, to depression. I mean, to depossession. So um, Betsy Bergstrom, who has been on a couple other shows with us, um, has been teaching a lot of shamanic practitioners a perspective called heart-centered shamanic healing. And so what she talks about is there is a kind of possession that would probably be more accurately called an overshadowing. And what this, what she's talking about is the way in which the dead, who are still stuck here in the land of the living, can attach themselves to the living. And their, the needs, the unresolved needs of the dead, then begin to influence or overshadow the everyday regular needs of the living. And um, this, um, I'm going to read some from an interview about Betsy in the Sacred Hoop issue number 60. It's a great magazine. You can certainly um, subscribe to it online, Sacred Hoop. Um, so what Betsy is saying, that, that possession, this kind of possession is um, a rather natural occurrence. Like other natural occurrences, it is more common than people are readily aware of. Um, the average view of possession is that it either doesn't exist at all or that it's the sort of possession that's pictured in The Exorcist, which is a representation of what would be called a demonic possession. But most possession is much more benign. Um, These are beings who more or less just overshadow us um, than taking on a full possession of the person. Now, why are these beings wandering around? We've talked about this before, everyone, everybody all together now, because we don't tend the souls of our dead effectively. We may do it lovingly, but we don't do it effectively, and we don't make sure that upon death, the souls of the dead actually clear out of the land of the living and cross over to the land of the dead. So what does uh, this kind of overshadowing spirit gain when they connect to the living? Um, this earthbound deceased, when they attach to the energetic field of the living, what the deceased person gains from this is light, energy, and a place to be, or a place that is familiar, or, feel, or a place that feels comforting. Many possessing spirits are humans who have become lost in the transition process at the time of death and simply don't make it out of the earth plane. Most have no desire to possess a living human. It simply happens. Many possessing spirits have no understanding of their situation often, not realizing that they are dead. I know that that's hard to imagine, but believe me, it happens a lot. It's a very confusing process in our culture because we don't teach people about death. We assume it's automatic and try our very best to ignore it for our entire lives. Consequently, people don't know what to do when they die, and it's a problem. So what happens then is um, the effect on the living person uh, may vary greatly. Um, often the feeling is one of um, being what she would call, this is how she got to this idea of overshadow, that the emotional state of the deceased, as well as their fears, predilections, vices, desires, and even bodily locations of illness and injury or trauma may be transferred to the living host. 
in most cases of possession, what she's encountered is that the possessing spirit wasn't trying to possess the person so much as they were trying to get their own needs and desires met. So why do people get stuck here when they die? Because they still have needs and desires that haven't been met, that their life is somewhat unlived, that they have not put their life to rest, essentially, so that they can't go to rest. So what happens then is um, addictions of all sorts can be driven by possessing spirits, these overshadowing possessing spirits. The possessing spirit may push harder to get their desires met, even driving the host to death, but never truly satisfying their desires because of the inherent piggybacking nature of this connection. The average possession or overshadowing can result in illness, anger, fear, depression, mood swings, voices in the head, um, experiencing what seems like a past life, nightmares, and sexual stimulation. So... This is what we're looking at here is the possibility that your own addictions are being motivated by either the unresolved needs or desires in a possessing spirit or trying to numb out the symptoms of being in a situation with a possessing spirit. Um, but either way, obviously, the, what you're supposed to do about it would be to go see a shaman, go see an initiated shaman. And um, in particular, I would suggest this kind of depossession that Betsy speaks about in her work, which is compassionate. And it's easier because it's easier on you, and it's non-adversarial. It seeks to restore the balance and the healing in a win-win manner to both the client and for the possessing spirit, who is seen as a suffering being as well, um, and that it's simply a being that's been separated from the light and needs to be returned, which is the traditional job of the shaman. So the client's experience is much more gentle because a possessing spirit is helped to cross in a compassionate way, and it tends to be more permanent if everyone is essentially put back where they belong. And so that would be the reason to um, pursue the possibility that you're addiction is coming out of this kind of situation with a possessing spirit. The other possibility is it's coming out of your own ancestors, which is a very similar situation. It's your own ancestors who have not cleared out of here because their lives were unresolved. They're still stuck here in the land of the living. But the connection to them is stronger because it's bloodline. And because we, the living, do have a direct responsibility to the dead in our own bloodline in the same way that we have a direct responsibility to the descendants in our bloodline. That doesn't mean we're not connected to the whole human family, but there are responsibilities and actions that only we can take to, to work along that, that bloodline. And it's, it's very much the same situation that Betsy's describing in the overshadowing, um, but with the intensity ratcheted up a little bit. It's as if the ancestors and their unresolved needs move into the descendants because the descendants have free will. They can still do things and make things happen. So those unresolved needs move into us and begin to motivate us to um, try to meet these needs. And we perceive of them as our own and go forward and never once look back and realize, my God, I'm behaving exactly like you know my grandfather or my father or my mother, that then that's part of the reason we see addictive behaviors handed down through families. It's not just the psycho-emotional dynamic in it. It's the spiritual energy. 
and that shamanically speaking, you know, so what do you do about it? You go find a shaman. You find um, an initiated, experienced shaman. You're going to have to trust them. And that they're going to diagnose with the help of spirit what's going on and what is at the root of your addictions and, and hopefully do what is necessary to heal that. So for me, with people, my path then is to go up the ancestral line to the source in the ancestral line of the behavior that's coming out as addictions in my clients and to resolve it at the source. And who knows how many generations back. Sometimes it's so many hundreds of years, I have no idea. But it's to go back to the beginning, to resolve it at the source, to clear it in the ancestral line, which puts you then in a position, just as we said before with soul loss, to have an empty addiction. It now has momentum in your life, but it has no source, no generative energy. Your task then is simply to clear it through detoxing, through watching your behavior, through affirmations, whatever it is. And those things will then work if the addiction is empty. So this is what we're talking about here today, addictions and shamanic approaches to resolving your addictions. Please join me again when we come back from this break. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today we are talking about shamanic perspectives on approaching addiction. So, so far, we've looked at um, shamanism perspective, which is that the root of an addiction could be soul loss. The root of an addiction could be a kind of overshadowing possession, not a big demonic possession, but a kind of overshadowing possession of earthbound spirits who are basically ghosts. Or it could be a similar relationship with your own ancestors who are earthbound. They're dead. They don't belong here. They need to go. So these are possibilities. So what could this look like? Well, this isn't from my own practice, but um, another practitioner was saying that she worked with a woman who had a problem, a persistent weight issue. And some people would call that an addiction to food. Shamanically, what it turned out to be is that this woman had this kind of overshadowing possession by five earthbound spirits, not her own ancestors, just earthbound spirits. And once they were removed and crossed over and sent on to where they belonged and sent to the land of the living, so they've been compassionately cared for. They're where they belong. The woman's here in the middle world, in her everyday life. And her perspective when the person checked in with her is that she hadn't been eating like she used to because she wasn't eating for six people anymore. Now she was just eating for one person, and so the whole food thing was really simple. And then progressively after that, over time, she just very naturally began to lose weight. So, you know, who would have figured that out at Weight Watchers, you know? So another perspective would be with ancestors. Um, I was working with a client recently who just has this passionate, passionate addiction to these men that on the surface are, are luscious, passionate creatures and then become abusive. And she sees this pattern over and over and over again. And so we go up in the ancestral line, and we find um, deep in her ancestry actually several patterns that contributed to this, but one of them is a relationship between two sisters and the kinds of relationships they got themselves into at a particular time way back in history in an entirely different country. So... 
And then when that gets cleared, now she's free to go forward in life and be attracted in general to people, not just this one particular kind of man. And I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with that kind of man. All I'm saying is that addiction to that type of man wasn't creating for her the relationships that she wanted in her life. She wants to meet a different kind of man, but she couldn't do it. Now she has that possibility because the the predilection, the preconditioning coming down through the unresolved needs of her ancestors is resolved. So now she can just clear her habit of being attracted to those guys and open up to being universally charming and universally attracted and meet her true love if she chooses to. So... There are examples like this throughout any shamanic practitioner's practice of how the resolution of addiction ends up being a symptom of shamanic healing, um, particularly of these aspects of shamanic healing. Now, I'm not saying that that's at the root of your addiction. I'm saying these are possibilities, and shamanism can look at it instead of looking at your addiction so that you're constantly creating a relationship with the addiction by working on it We'll just try to get at the root of it, at the source of the problem, and let the addiction essentially take care of itself. Because the thing that generates it, the the pattern that is sending energy into it so that the addiction continues to motivate you, is undone. And now it's just an empty habit. Empty habits are easy to break. Addictions are challenging because they're... They have a motor. They have a generating energy because of the unresolved source of the problem. So where do these addictions come from? You know, I'm listening to all those ads in our little breaks uh, between the sections of my show, and every single one of them, at least these recent ones, is talking about how do you change your mind? How do you change your emotional response to things? How do you change, essentially, your addiction to who you are? that you're addicted to being a certain way. I know most of us don't think about it that way, but that's actually how it's working because we're, we're fluid energy beings. We could be different if we just chose to, but we don't choose. Why don't we choose? Because we don't feel the options are available to us, because we've closed down to certain options, and this is an addictive process. So every addiction begins as a diversion from something your soul really needed that you weren't allowed to have. And I'm not talking about that day you wanted that little red dump truck and your mommy didn't let you have it. I'm talking about that day you tapped into soul force energy and needed to express that energy and paint the walls and weren't allowed to do it. That the times in your life when you wanted to express an energy and again and again it tried to come out and for whatever reason in your life you were thwarted in that expression. That's where addiction begins because we, our passions, that avenue toward that passion is shut off. So the energy gets shunted around toward one particular activity and this activity then becomes the addiction. So that activity we can do replaces the activity we wanted to do and then it becomes the only activity that we do do because it's the only one available to us. And so there is so much addiction in our lives because the tributaries of our individual expression get cut off as we go through our childhood. And partly that's because in the Western world, and particularly in America, we are not paying attention to our children 
and the development of their souls. We are paying attention to our children and their their manners, their behavior, whether they're going to fit in, whether they're going to get in the right schools, whether the right schools are going to get them the right jobs, and whether the right jobs are going to get them enough money. And we need to, there's nothing wrong with that, except that it is exclusive to all other aspects. And that's what we need to pay attention to is where does the child need to paint the walls? Because there's an incredible desire for this expression to come out of them. And you know what? You could paint the walls over when the kid is done. When do we know to let that happen so that we don't cut off a true expression in our child and thus begin to create these addictive workarounds? They're essentially workarounds. So the addiction... Oh, so the point is another aspect of shamanism that allows us to deal with addiction is the focus in shamanism about living your soul's purpose that we come back, here we are as grown-ups, going, okay, there's something not right in my life. There, I'm here, I'm doing everything I imagined I was supposed to do, and I'm not fulfilled. I'm not passionately alive. I'm not, maybe not even happy. What's going on? What is my soul's purpose? Why am I here? That focus in shamanism and the unique way through having a relationship with your souls, with your helping spirits, you can get at those questions. That is another way that shamanism helps us approach addiction because addiction is not about the substance. It's about everything outside of that, everything else. In addiction, the imagination has atrophied. You're focused on that one thing you could do instead of all those other things you weren't allowed to do. In addiction, the multiplicity of being human has been cut off. In addiction, you have missed your creative calling. The true imagination is rich and fertile and full of variety. Addiction is the false agreement to be satisfied with that one single thing you're addicted to. So the ability then, this is a very twisted, strange relationship we create with addiction. It's not a logical path, like you wanted a red truck and you didn't get it, and so now whatever, you're addicted to having sex with firemen. I mean, it's not that simple. It's twisted and convoluted in the shadowy part of who we are and in the creative part of who we are. And a direct relationship with with spirit then allows us to begin to ask the questions necessary to tap into our soul's purpose and to find the multiplicity of who we are that is missing through this scoped-down focus on that one single thing, which is getting that addiction met. And there is a cure for addiction, and that is granting your own multiplicity of self. The path is to fill up all the other parts of yourself. To discover what is at the root of your addictions is a great, the great adult adventure, the great drama of articulating the wholeness of who you are back to yourself. And that addictions aren't bad, but it's like an alley. It's a small alley to explore. And at the end of that alley is some part of yourself that has been shut down. There is no addiction that is not pointing to some marvelous aspect of your creative expression of yourself that got trapped. 
And so what we gain then through shamanism is the possibility to explore these back alleys, the possibility to move in the shadow realms of who we are, and the possibility to discover the creative nature that was shut down that then burst these addictions. So join me as we come back after this break and we complete this conversation about the deeper soul cure to addiction. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are talking about addiction here today and different ways of viewing it that perhaps could be more effective for you. So consider the possibility that your sense of yourself is an addiction to comfort and familiarity. What if you live with an understanding that the only real discomfort in life is not change, it's not transformation, it's not choosing to think a different thought or function in a different way. The only real discomfort is not experiencing your own life experience. So every one of these addictions then is a place that you've chosen to repeat a familiar experience and to not have your true life experience. How much authority is yours in your life? With my students, the third year is the year that we work on power and personal authority. And this remains the least well understood and in particular the least integrated year in the four-year training. That we as people in America play out so much conflict in our lives, so much resistance to picking up our power and our, and our authority and having our own experience of life. We let our life be mediated and defined and confined by outside forces all the time. So I ask, how much authority is yours in your life? Do you have the ability to articulate what you love on a daily basis, freely and fully? If so, then you are almost immune to addiction. Addiction is a default mode. Addiction is a false agreement that we have made with our experience. It's that false agreement to be satisfied with one single thing. So how much authority do you have? Or or are you operating in default mode? My challenge to you here today as we come to the end of the show, my challenge to you is to not default on your life. Do not live in that false agreement. Become unseducible. Whether you have a big, nasty, expensive, toxic substance abuse problem sitting right there in the middle of your life, or one of the most subtle, socially acceptable, slippery little addictions, I don't care. Pick one. We all have some place in our life that we are in that default mode that we, are, we all have that false agreement that we have made to be satisfied by one single thing and not open to the full creative sense of who we are. Use your sense of energy, especially those who took my challenge a month ago about learning to ground, learning to have boundaries, learning to sense your energy in the energy basics 
of well-being. Sense in your energy where the energy is flat, where it's constrained, where it's defined. We are creative, expressive beings. So pick one of these flat, default, fault agreement places. And if you have Helping Spirits, journey on it. Ask your Helping Spirits to show you everything that could be in your life if you were to give up this one false agreement. How much of what you long for in life is right there, hidden by that false agreement to be satisfied with that one thing again and again that is not remotely satisfying? How much of what you long for in life is right there, hidden behind that false agreement to be comforted by what is not comfortable. How much of everything you are asking for is right there, hidden in that false agreement? Ask yourself this and find one and take whatever steps are necessary to absolve that agreement in your life, to do whatever is necessary, to go back to the beginning where some part of your own true creative expression was cut off. And just wake up in the morning to yourself and say, I'm not going to live a default life. That I need to find every place I've made a false agreement and come in to right relationship with myself and claim the authority to have my own experiences for better or for worse. So this is the other place that I feel shamanism comes in to help us to deal with addiction, is at this deep place of the soul and your free will and the simple fact that you came here with one responsibility, and that is to live your soul's purpose. And every place you've accepted addiction, you have stepped away from that responsibility. We all have. And it is our challenge as contemporary people to renege on those false agreements and to step back into right relationship with ourselves. And I, for one, I can't imagine any other way to do that but with the help of spirit. So I encourage you all to embrace some transformational process. I'm obviously biased to shamanism, but choose some transformational process to engage in for all of those places in your life so that you are not living a life of default, but you are living a choice of power, a life of power, and a life of passion, and a life of personal accountability. And in that relationship with self, we will find our joy, and we will find our connection to the true being that we've come here to be. So thank you all for joining me here today. Next week, we're going to continue along this path, and we're going to talk about shamanism and its approach to transforming mental illness. Um, and then the week following, similar thing, we're going to look at shamanism and transforming depression. So we're looking at how do you practically apply shamanism to these states of being that, for my personal comfort, are getting far too normalized in our culture. It's far too normal and acceptable to have addictions, to have basic levels of mental unwellness and depression. And as we um, 
pathology make these pathological and we pharmaceuticalize them and we try to psycho, psychoanalyze them, we miss the deep soul calling in them and the way that following these paths within ourselves leads us back to our soul's true purpose. So this is what we're about for the next three weeks. Thank you for joining me here today. I thank the energy of the ancestors for being with us here today and holding us. And I want the ancestors to know those that are unresolved, that it is through our work that we will be able to free them from their unresolved addictions, that the whole ancestral line and the descendants can live without them. We give thanks to the energy of the earth below and the sky above for holding us well in this dance, this alchemy of life here between heaven and earth. And we give thanks to the heart that unites us all and allows each one of us to change, to transform, and to live here as a passionate being filled with life force and purpose. For those of you that um, don't know, all of the shows are available and download on the Voice America site and on iTunes. The Encyclopedia of Shamanism is most easily available through my website, which is lastmaskcenter.org. Information about classes and healing sessions with me um, are there on the calendar on the website. But the easiest way to find out about scheduling healings and long-distance healings is simply to contact me, Christina, at lastmaskcenter.org, and I will forward you to the scheduling person. So please share the information about this show widely with others. And I thank you all for joining me here today. May you go forward in this day, and remember, it is your choice to not live a default life. Thank you.